Hello and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Words of Welcome, the teaching ministry of Welcome Baptist Church, Heathfield. Hello. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. So let's read these verses together. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, as we look at these verses today, would you speak to us? Would you take a hold of our minds and our thoughts? May our minds be ordered after you and run after you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Paul finishes this uh, amazing set of teaching where he has been talking uh, about himself with a final imperative, a final command. And this time the command is to think about these things, things that are true, things that are honorable or, or noble, some translations say, things that are just and pure, things that are lovely, commendable. If anything is excellent, he says, if anything is praiseworthy, think about these things. That's the imperative. Think about these things. Now, we hopefully haven't forgotten that Paul writes this in prison. And this is a spirituality that is incredibly practical. This is how Paul is getting through prison with all these imperatives, all these commands. These are the things that he is doing. Do you remember them? There is rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. There is let your reasonableness be known to everyone. There is this uh, command to not be anxious, but instead to pray about everything with supplication and thanksgiving. And he said, do you remember that the peace of God would guard your heart and your mind? And here he is on this final imperative where he says, control your thoughts. Not just once a week, not just once a day, but take ownership, take mastery over your thought life. There's an old hymn that goes like this. It's called, uh, Fill Thou My Life, O Lord My God. It's the final um, verse, and it says, So shall no part of day or night from sacredness be free, but all my life in every step be fellowship with thee. It's a beautiful hymn. It's telling us 
that intimacy with God, relationship with God is, if we want it to be, a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week occurrence that we can know intimacy and fellowship with God all the time. And Paul's saying, I want you to remember this. I want you to listen to me and imitate my way of life and take hold of your thoughts. Nature can't stand a vacuum. It always fills it. It's the same with our minds. They are seldom empty for long. Have you ever asked anyone for a, for, for a penny for their thoughts? You know, ask them, what are you thinking? What do they usually say? Nine times out of 10, they say, oh, nothing. What does that really mean? It, it means one of two things, that either they're thinking something that they don't want to tell you, or their thoughts are so trivial, so silly, that they're not worth the breath of letting you know. It's funny, isn't it, that often our minds are full of things like that, things that we would not want anyone else to know, things that are very, very silly. So Paul says that we have to take a hold of our thought life because the mind is seldom empty for long and because our thoughts turn into our behavior, our hidden thought life becomes very visible through the way we behave. I, uh, in the police, I remember one of the, the local uh, vagrants, one of the local, uh, they were called tramps in those days, and he was a traditional tramp. Uh, he slept on park benches. He, he looked like a, a, a tramp or a Father Christmas often. And uh, we would give him food. We would try and take care of him. We'd make sure he was warm at night. Uh, and one day I caught this man drinking from a petrol pump. He was so desperate for alcohol that there he was getting the, the, the tiny drips of petrol. He was putting in absolute rubbish. And it's interesting, we can do that. I mean, listen to the opposite of what Paul is telling us to do. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Imagine he said, I want you to think about things that are false. I want you to think about lies. Or if he said, I want you to think about what is dishonorable, what is untrustworthy. I want you to fill your minds with that. Or whatever is unjust, whatever is unfair, fill your heart and mind. We'd be like that tramp drinking from the petrol pump. These things that we would drink in would, would utterly change our behavior. We would become quite dismal, I think. Whatever is pure, Paul says, think about that. Imagine if we filled our hearts and minds with things that were impure, with things that were filthy. And of course, that's a huge thing in our culture. All these things, lies, dishonorable, unjust 
filthy things. So much of that fills our entertainment, fills our books, fills our TV screens. And night after night, we throw open the doors of our lives and say, come in, bring us your wares, bring us your lies, bring us your dishonor, bring in your your filth. We want to see it. We want to think about it. Paul says, think about what it is lovely. But we choose instead to often think about things that are, are ugly. Just like that dear tramp. Just filling his mouth with petrol. Whatever is commendable, Paul says. Excellent but we spend time filling our hearts with things that are not excellent, not commendable. It's a a real nightmare for us, a real nightmare. My granddad was an excellent gardener, absolutely superb. And his blooms were blooming excellent. His garden was always alive. He took care in growing things and nurturing things. And he always knew the difference between a good seed and a bad seed. He always knew the difference between a weed and the plant that he wanted to grow. Guess what he'd do with the weeds? He would pull them up and he would throw them away. This is at the heart of what Paul is telling us to do, to take control of our thought life, to make sure that we are fixing our minds, our hearts on that which is good and pure and trustworthy and excellent and not the rubbish. I love what Max Licardo says. He says, you've got to admit that some of our hearts and minds are pretty trashed out. This is in his book, Just Like Jesus. Any riffraff can knock on the door and we throw it open. Isn't that true? Anger shows up and we let him in. Revenge needs a place to stay, so we have him pull up a chair. Pity wants to have a party, so we show him the kitchen. Lust rings the bell and we change the sheets on the bed. Don't we know how to say no? Many of us don't. For many of us, thought management is, well, unthought of. We think about time management, weight management, personnel management, even scalp management. I've never actually heard of that. But what about thought management? Shouldn't we be as concerned about managing our thoughts as we are about managing anything else? Masticado writes, Jesus was like a trained soldier at the gate of a city, he stood watch over his mind, stubbornly guarded the gateway of his heart. Many thoughts were denied access. Wow. There's a, a, a proverb 
Proverbs 25, 28, that says this, he that has no rule over his own spirit, his own mind and heart, is like a city broken down without walls. So Licardo saying, Jesus put a guard over his thought. Proverbs tells us if we don't take some effort of self-control, we are like a, a town with no walls. Anyone can come in. Anyone can take up residence. As Licardo says, you know, lust rings the bell. And we change the sheets. Now, we live in a society where we often think that we cannot guard our hearts, that we cannot put this watchman outside the gate of the city, that we are subject to our thoughts, that they're like the sea. It cannot be controlled, that it comes wave after wave, crashing down on a beach. So are our thought lives, uncontrollable and random. But that is not true. God has given every human being the ability to take captive their thoughts, to take hold of their thoughts. Anytime a thought comes to you, you can hold on to it, you can nurture it, you can think about it, you can plant it in good soil or as quickly as you can, you can tell it to go. That is really important. Many of you know I wrestled with my mental health. In 2010 and in 2011, I became incredibly self-destructive. It started with me thinking things like, if I broke my arm, I wouldn't have to go to work for a few days. I could have some time off. If I was ill, I wouldn't have to work. It, it, it moved on to thinking if I got run over this morning, I, I could be in leg braces and I wouldn't have to go to work for, for a month. Things had gotten to me so much that I was looking for an escape. I kept feeding those thoughts. I didn't take a hold of them. I didn't kick them out. I gave them room. And before too long, those thoughts about being ill or just breaking an arm or being run over ended up with me wanting to take my own life, the ultimate escape. And so now, if a thought like that enters my mind, I have to take it captive. It's a matter of life or death for me. I have to take that thought captive. I cannot give it any room, any soil to grow. It has to be ripped out and thrown away. Maybe for you, it's something else. There are many brothers that I've known, Christian brothers who have wrestled with pornography, and for them, their thought life can be dominated by lust and the thought of uh, sexual things. And as I've walked with brothers going through this, 
Again and again, I said, you have got to take a hold of these thoughts. As soon as any thought like that enters your head, you've got to get rid of it. And you've got to think about something good, something pure, something wonderful, something trustworthy to take your mind off it. I encourage men in those situations to write a a personal purity statement. And and I have one here. Uh, It's called Reasons Why I Run From Sin. And this is mine, and and I, I refer to it very regularly. These are some of the things I've written. There's actually... Uh, 33, and uh, I was helped in this by uh, an organization called Covenant Eyes. It's a superb organization, and we'll put a link at the bottom of this video. Here, I've written reasons why I am to run from sin. I am made to live for the glory of God. Two, I'm commanded by God to live a self controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined life. Three, holiness is God's will for my life. Four, Jesus said loving him comes down to obeying him. Five, sin hinders my fellowship with God and everything flows out of that. Six, my body is not my own. God purchased me with the shed blood of his son. Here's another one. Only Jesus can satisfy my heart's thirst. Here's another. Prevents me, sin prevents me from having an effective prayer life. This is number 13. It diminishes the spiritual power I need to impact this world for Christ. 14, sin hinders my ability to make wise decisions. 15, sin hinders my fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. 16, it brings God's discipline. And I could go on for 33 reasons why I need to keep my mind and my heart pure, thinking about things that are good and noble, lovely, trustworthy. Do you know what? I I have never yet got to number 33, (laughs) in times of depression, in times of hopelessness. I usually get to about nine or 10, sometimes 20, but I focus my heart and mind on good things, on truthful things. I told you a few weeks ago that coming out of my depression, one of the verses in the Bible meant ever such a lot to me. It was this one, I shall not die, but I shall live and I will proclaim the Lord's name. Whenever a self-destructive thought comes to me, that's where I go. I shall not die, but I shall live and I will proclaim the Lord's name. Do you see what I've done there? I've put a guard on my heart. Self-destruction comes in and I respond with biblical truth. Purity statement is all about the person and character of Jesus Christ. He is holy. 
He is good. He has a plan for my life. He wants me to be fruitful here. And thinking about things that are, are not true, thinking about things that are ignoble, thinking about things that are unjust, is not going to bring about the life that he wants. If we were to look at this list, whatever is true, honourable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if anything is excellent, anything is worthy of praise, there's one person we find that list fulfilled in, Jesus Christ. That's Jesus. He is all of those things. And so it would seem to me that that Paul is, is telling us to take hold of our thoughts and direct them towards Jesus, the one who is true, the one who is honourable, the one who is just, the one who is pure, the one who is lovely, who is commendable, who is excellent, who is worthy of praise. That's what he says to us. Fix your mind on these things. Verse nine, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So Paul's telling us to practice these things. We're not always gonna succeed. There are times that we're gonna stumble. There's times that we're gonna trip. There's times that we're gonna fall and we're gonna need to go to God and ask for his forgiveness, ask for his cleansing. And then we're just gonna have to get up and practice again, keep going again. Practice these things, practice rejoicing, practice reasonableness, practice prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Practice taking God of your thoughts. And look what Paul says. Look what Paul promises will happen to us. The God of peace will be with you. When we were talking about anxiousness and prayer in the midst of anxiety, he said, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Here he finishes this section by saying the God of peace. He's turned it round. This isn't just the gift of peace that will be with you. It's God himself who will be with you. So take a hold of your thoughts. In Spurgeon's last ever sermon, in the last paragraph of his last ever sermon, he calls men and women to enlist under the banner of Jesus Christ, to follow him. Spurgeon was a man who knew disappointment and knew depression, but knew the only safe way through was to fix his mind on Jesus. This is what he says. You will find sin, self, Satan, and the world to be hard masters. But if you wear the livery of Christ, you will find him so meek and lowly of heart that you will find rest unto your souls. 
He is the most magnanimous of captains. There was never his like among the choicest of princes. He is always to be found in the thickest part of the battle. When the wind blows cold, he always takes the bleak side of the hill. The heaviest end of the cross lies ever on his shoulders. If he bids us carry a burden, he carries it also. If there is anything that is gracious, generous, kind and tender, yea, lavish and superabundant in love, you always find it in him. These 40 years or more I have served him, blessed be his name, and I have nothing but love from him. I would be glad to continue yet another 40 years in the same dear service here below if it so pleased him. His service is peace, joy. Oh, that you would enter on it at once. God help you, he says, enlist under the banner of Christ. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Welcome. For new episodes and more, please visit welcomebaptistchurch.uk.